Welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Hi, this is Ken Blanchard. We need a new leadership model in business today, one that values both people and results, where leaders see their role as serving instead of being served. In this podcast, my friend and colleague, Chad Gordon, interviews experts who help us explore different aspects of leadership. I know you'll be encouraged and inspired by what you hear and you'll walk away with ideas and insights that will help you be the type of leaders others want to follow. Ready to get started? I'll be back at the end of the interview where I'll share what I've learned and how I'll be putting it into action. Now enjoy this installment of the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Gordon. Today, we're talking with author Mark Miller, the author of Leaders Made Here. Mark comes from Chick-fil-A. And so, Mark, welcome to the Leader Chat Podcast. And my first question is, how does a guy go from making chicken to writing books? Chad, it's great to be with you. Uh, I do tell people that I am the accidental author and Ken played a instrumental role in my move to writing. Uh, we had done some work years ago uh, that I'll probably reference later in this conversation, but we had done some work around how to accelerate leadership development. And when we shared some of our early thinking with Ken, the first words out of his mouth were, this has to be a book. Well, I told him, you know, we didn't want to write a book. And I said, Ken, everything looks like a book to you, which is, of course, why he sold a bajillion books. And he said, no, you don't you don't really understand. He said uh, you were trying to figure out something from the perspective of Chick-fil-A and articulate a point of view that would serve Chick-fil-A. He said what you've done is you've actually articulated some uh, some truths about leadership that will stand the test of time and have always been true. And um, he said it's got to be a book. And he persisted. And he and I did a book in I guess it was 2012 called The Secret. And that uh, started me on my uh, my path and trajectory as the accidental writer. Yeah, you've got the secret, what great leaders know and do with Ken. You also wrote Great Leaders Grow with Ken, um, The Heart of Leadership, uh, 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 and then your most recent one, Chess Not Checkers. Uh, this particular book, uh, Leaders Made Here, is around be- building a, a leadership culture. So how did this book come about? Well, this this was actually um, in the beginning. It was it was something we stumbled upon because the book outlines the journey we've been on as an organization, and it's a journey that began almost twenty years ago. I talk about it as the modern era of leadership development. Uh, we would argue, uh, based on our independent operator model, that uh, we are a leadership intensive organization. And many, many organizations might say the same thing, but we, we count on the men and women who operate those restaurants to provide local leadership. We think that's one of the keys to our success. And almost 20 years ago, we felt like we were going to need more leaders faster. And that was not only for the restaurants, but that was for corporate staff as well. We realized that our leadership bench was not as strong as it needed to be. In fact, in some parts of the organization, we really didn't even have a bench. And so we began this journey on how to accelerate leadership development. 
And this book outlines what we've been working on for almost 20 years. Um, so that's kind of the short version of how this book came into being. It was me uh, taking the time to reflect on what have we done, what have we learned, what's worked, and what has not uh, on our journey. And you pour through this book. It's a fantastic book. So kudos on that. And when you go through it, this isn't about um, franchises. This isn't about uh, um, uh, uh, the food industry. This is really about corporations. This is about organizations, big and small. And and you raise a a, a very scary point uh, that that there's a scarcity of leaders today, and that's going to mean a shortfall in performance tomorrow. What what did you find when you when you know when you made that assessment of the scarcity of leaders? Well, we felt like it was a problem that was not going to resolve itself and that if the, the trajectory of the business continued, the gap was going to get larger. And at some point, we could not outgrow our leadership capacity. We didn't know when we would get to that breaking point, but we were already seeing cracks. Literally, when we had an opportunity to seize or a problem to solve and we didn't have a leader to assign to that body of work, we said we have to do something differently. Whether it's succession planning or bench strength, uh, these are all so vitally important. So let's kind of let's kind of walk through this, uh, maybe even prescriptively, if we can, as 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 you learned and as you walk through this journey. Um, what are some steps that people can take to to right now kind of change the course, the trajectory of their organization, so they can start building a stronger bench strength? Well, first. And, and this is actually not even part of our model per se, but it actually begins with a leadership decision. A leader has to decide that we want to create a leadership culture. And, and we say a leadership culture is a place where leaders are routinely and systematically developed and you have a surplus. Now, a lot of people get the first part of that definition and they wonder about the surplus. Well, the surplus lets you know that the, the process is actually working because the surplus is the bench strength. So if you don't begin with a decision, then you don't need the playbook, right? If you're not going to play football, you don't need to know what the plays are. And so if you're not going to build a leadership culture, you don't need to know what the steps in this strategy are. And so I think that was um, something that, Maybe a blinding flash of the obvious, but I was talking to a large organization just recently and they said, we're thinking about doing this. Can you tell us how? I said, well, not until you decide you're going to do it because thinking about doing it is not going to do it. What are the steps to, to, to getting that mindset? Because it does sound like more of a mindset shift initially than the skill set. Well, I think, I think leaders have to acknowledge everything rises and falls on leadership. Uh, and that doesn't mean that leaders are better people, but it means that leaders lead things and that leaders seize opportunities and leaders solve problems and leaders cast a compelling vision and leaders rally people to a preferred future and leaders take people from here to there. Um, if, if you can come up with this idea that leaders are, in fact, the lid on your enterprise, you'll probably quickly reach the conclusion we'd like more leaders. And what traditionally happens, and we've lived through this and, and still struggle with it. I'm not pretending that we have solved any of this, but we are clearly on the journey. Uh, what typically happens is you just overload your existing leaders, which may work in the short term, but you've got the unintended consequences, the predictable consequences of burnout and stress and anxiety and family issues outside the workplace and all the things that 
that come as a result of an overworked leader. Plus, the leaders don't do their best work. Oh, and by the way, that play is done when that leader is done. It's not a, it's not a plan for future success. And so I think you've just got to talk about pain points. I think you've got to talk about realities. I think you've got to talk about growth and potential barriers to growth. And leadership has to be part of that conversation. So this book is built on the uh, prerequisite that you have enlightened leadership. By that, I mean leaders that understand the merit and value of leadership in the organization. And if you can start there, again, we've got a strategy that will work in large and small organizations, uh, for-profit, not-for-profit, um, you know, kind of across the board. All right. So, so step one is build a leadership culture. And that's how you're going to ensure that you have the leaders that you need to fuel your f- future success. So what's step two? Well, it's interesting because it's, it's the work that led me to my conversation with Ken When we were given this assignment by our executive team, our first conclusion is we did not agree on what leadership was or what it meant. Now, that may may sound crazy to you, but we discovered at the time over 6,000 published definitions of leadership. Right. And we think there are real unintended consequences when different leaders within an organization have different working definitions of leadership. And so we believe the first step is to define it. For your organization, what do you mean when you say leadership? Because I can promise you in any leader, any organization in the world, if you passed out three by five cards and asked the senior leaders to write their definition of leadership, two things would be true. One, everyone would have their own definition. And two, unless they've done the hard work of forging a consensus, they would all have different answers. And so it was that first step of defining it. That's what I approached Ken with. And I said, Ken, we've been working on trying to articulate our point of view. Why don't you take a look and tell me, do you think it's true? Do you think it's accurate? Do you think it's valid? Do you think it'll stand the test of time? Did we miss anything? And I've already shared his response. He said, this has got to be a book. Um, And that's what the secret uh, is about. It's really our point of view. It's the starting point. It's the fundamentals that leaders uh, need to be able to to deliver. And um, that's the critical first step. I tell folks, you can't, you can't create a leadership culture with step one alone, but you can lose it. It's like in sports, you know, in some baseball, they say you can't win a game in the first inning, but you can lose it. If you let the other team score 15 runs, you're probably not going to win. Organizations, after they make the decision, the first among equals, the, the critical first step is you've got to forge a consensus. What's our point of view on leadership? What's your reaction when you go into organizations and they tell you, we're just too busy to think about the future. We're, we're, we've got to hit our numbers right now. We can't stop or slow down uh, in order to maybe go fast later. We really, we're beholden to the shareholders right now or we're, our quarterly numbers. We just can't think of ahead. We, we can't take the time um, to do things now that we won't see results on for, for months or quarters. Yeah, I think that's an indictment on leadership. I, mean, I, think, I think leaders, part of our working job description is we're the architects of the future. And we have to ensure enough time today is allocated to ensure that there is a future. And so 
again, it, it, if, if a leader shares the comments that you shared, I'm assuming he or she is not in it for the long haul. They're, they're going to try to get their quarterly bonus, their annual bonus, and go look for another job because they're not building an enduring great organization if they're not willing to work on building leadership capacity. You talk about some common objectives, so that's one of them. The other one is leaders are born, they're not made. Well, I, I, yeah, every, every human being alive was born. I'll give you that. Um, I would tell you that I have met men and women who leadership comes easier for them, but there is still a skill set. And our fundamentals, the secret is built on this idea of what leaders know and do. It's a behaviorally based model. And there are men and women who might have natural instincts, traits, characteristics, and personalities that enable them to pick up those skills uh, more quickly, but they still have to learn the skills. I, I, don't, I don't know any you know, 15-year-old or 20-year-old leaders that just spontaneously understand how to build teams and solve problems and allocate resources. And uh, I mean, there could be an outlier out there somewhere, but most of the leaders I know have learned their skills. We're talking uh, about uh, uh, building a leadership culture. We're talking about building those skills. Um, so I'm, I'm in an organization. I, I actually do want to have a stronger bench strength. I do want to enhance and grow um, my, my leadership capacity at all levels. What is the step that I need to start taking? Is this something that, that, uh, that, uh, that I can take on myself? Do I need to go uh, get some help from some external sources? What can I do if I'm leading an organization and I want to change things drastically in a positive way? All right, step one, once you've made that decision, is to define it. What is your leadership point of view? And you need, you need to get agreement on that. Do you, can you do that internally? Sure. Can you, can you hire a consultant? Sure. Can you use someone else's definition of leadership? Absolutely. There are over 6,000 of them out there. You can use the one Ken and I did in The Secret. You can use something from John Maxwell or Andy Stanley or you know Greenlee. Pick somebody. But, but step one is to define it for your organization. Now, a quick word, because I know you're going to ask me about the next step. Let me just, let me tell you, when we defined it, we, we naively believed we were finished. Like, wow, finally, good. We can go back selling chicken. And and here's what happened. People started calling me. It, it first came from outsiders because the book was published and people would call and say, will you come speak? And, I, you know, like Ken, I, I can't go everywhere I'm invited. So we have a series of questions that we asked. And it was very, very uh, telling and insightful. As we began to probe, people would say we read the book and we won't. Mark to come speak, would say, well, you've already read the book. What do you want him to talk about? And over and over and over again, they said, we want him to tell us what's next. <laughs> and interestingly, we began to get the same questions internally here at the chicken. He said, okay, we got a point of view on leadership. What's next? Well, we hadn't even thought about it. We hadn't even planned that far out. We just thought if you tell people our point of view on leadership, again, it would, that'd be enough. And that actually led to the second step in this in this process is we think you've got to teach it for somebody to know your point of view and for them to have the knowledge and skills to execute against that definition it's just two different things you can tell somebody that leaders see and shape the future but if you don't teach them how to create and cast vision 
then it's really not helpful. And so step one is to define it. Step two is to teach it. Train people, train existing leaders, train emerging leaders, train new supervisors, train senior leaders. Because again, you're trying to establish a common language in this culture. So you've established the common language. You've uh, allowed people to um, be a part of that process at, at all levels. And okay, it's starting to gain, gain some traction. Yeah. What else do you do? What do you do next? Well, this is a lesson that we continue to uh, relearn day by day. And that is that you have to give leaders an opportunity to practice it. Both existing leaders and emerging leaders. Uh, the research is clear. I, I've seen it for decades that most of us in leadership, when, when surveyed, we will, we will reveal that most of what we know about leading, we actually learn from leading. And there's this natural tendency. I don't even know how to explain it. We probably need to consult with a psychologist. But when you have a leadership opportunity, whether it's a problem, you know, to be solved or something you really want to take advantage of and move the ball down the field, our natural tendency for most leaders is to give it to a seasoned or mature leader. And sometimes that's the right answer. But what, what you're doing is you're not allowing younger leaders, less experienced leaders, uh, emerging leaders to actually grain, gain competence and confidence. It happened to us. We were trying to... Um, start a new venture. And we went to the whiteboard and said, let's figure out who could lead this. And we listed about eight names. And I said, stop. I said, what's wrong with that list? And, and what, nothing's wrong with that list. I said, yeah, but you've got eight veteran leaders up there. They said, sure, any of them can do this. I said, well, that's not what I'm debating. I said, let's stop and think, are there any less seasoned, less mature, or even emerging leaders that would benefit from this opportunity? And Sure, certainly th there was. And we assigned that work to somebody and it was a stretch assignment for them and they grew as a leader. And so if you want to create a leadership culture, you, you need to let people have appropriate opportunities to get in the game and really lead. So that's the third step. And so give them the opportunity to practice it, uh, create opportunities for your leaders to thrive, to show off, and for emerging leaders to lead. And so that's everything from stretch assignments to uh, uh, just giving people the opportunity, um, maybe, Mark, even to, to fail here and there? Sure, sure. But it's not, we, we like to caution it's not just throwing somebody in the deep end of the pool and see if they can swim. Again, it's an appropriate challenge. It's an appropriate stretch. It's somebody to coach them, to mentor them, to walk a lot alongside them. And part of the role there is to help them process their, their failures and their missteps. And so certainly uh, that's part of the growing, um, growing process. This podcast is sponsored by the Ken Blanchard Companies. If you'd like to learn more, and there's a lot of free resources to better yourself and your organization, go to KenBlanchard.com. You'll find all kinds of free tools and materials to help you and others grow. And they have a special offer right now. Send an email to podcast at KenBlanchard.com with leader chat in the subject line. Now through the end of summer of 2018, one grand prize winner chosen randomly will receive a free one-on-one -on -one call with Ken Blanchard. Five others will receive a signed copy of Ken's latest book, Servant Leadership in Action. 
So in your experience where you've brought this uh, both in at Chick-fil-A and other organizations where you've shared that, uh, are there some pitfalls or are there some challenges? What do you see at this stage where people are actually practicing um, that leadership culture? Well, I think there's a there's a legitimate hesitation and reluctance. Um, leaders understand that they are responsible for the things that happened on their watch, whether they personally do those things or not. If it's under their uh, span of influence, span of control, they're accountable. And so I always like to stress appropriate opportunities. You know, you don't bet the farm. Uh, you, you've just got to You've got to say, what do we think the prospects are for this leader in the future? What do we think he or she needs to help continue their growth trajectory? Maybe it's a startup opportunity. Maybe it's a turnaround opportunity. Maybe it's to take over a dysfunctional team. Maybe it's to build a team from scratch. I can think of one situation. We were talking about a leader who we felt like had real senior leadership potential. And this was a bright, articulate young person but they had actually never led anything. And so in one of these conversations, like I'm describing, we decided we probably need to give that person a team to lead. I mean, that's not going to be the defining moment to determine if they make it to senior leadership, but it sure would help make a case because right now all we're seeing is a bright, articulate young person and says, wow, we think they could be a senior leader. So there are a couple more boxes we got to check before they become a senior leader. So you just got to have real conversations um, and you got to acknowledge the legitimate concerns of leaders. You don't give you don't give somebody an opportunity if the consequences are um, or potential consequences are um, catastrophic. You know, if this goes wrong, you know, what are the consequences? Well, if you know, we could think the company, OK, don't give that to a young emerging leader. Uh, if they're, if they could not be undone, which there are some things in that category, well, you know, maybe you don't give that to a young emerging leader, but I think you just have real conversations and say, this is part of building our future. And I often, last thought, I often ask leaders, when did you learn how to lead? Or when did you learn the most about leadership? And they always talk about leading every time. They didn't say it was a course. They didn't say it was a book. And so that's when I say, we've got to give that same opportunity to these men and women so that 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now, they can say they took giant steps forward in their own leadership because we sat in this room and gave them an opportunity to lead. It's, it's so true. It's, it's, uh, you, you can learn the application. You can learn the common language. But until you actually get into the weeds, get into the muck a little bit, uh, that's when you actually have some of the most uh, um, impactful moments um, in, in development. So, so far we've talked uh, in terms of creating a leadership culture, you say you've got to define it, you've got to teach it, and then now we've been talking about you've got to practice it. But uh, uh, to quote Ken many a times, Ken has said, what get measured gets done. And so how do you measure that this is successful? Because it can feel good. It can be right in pockets. Not everybody may be doing it, but as an organization, how am I going to measure that I've actually have begun to build a leadership culture? Well, that is the next step in this, in this uh, strategy. And this gets a lot of discussion and this gets a lot of debate. And I've come up with a couple of uh, principles that I like to share with 
with organizations. First, I think you've got to get past the idea that there's a perfect metric. I don't think there's a perfect metric for virtually anything. Even if you say, well, sales is a perfect metric. Well, there are a lot of factors that impact sales. So if you really want to know what people are doing or not doing, you can find many indicators. Uh, but get past the idea of a perfect metric. The other thing I would say is get past the idea of a single metric. We looked for a long time. What is the indicator regarding our effectiveness in creating a leadership culture? And um, there are some hybrid approaches. Federal Express, as an example, the last time I talked with those folks, they pull seven questions out of their engagement survey, and they are seven questions that they believe are a direct reflection of leadership behavior. As an example, they ask every employee, I understand the vision of the organization. Well, if if that's not scored well, they say that's a reflection on that person's leader. So they take those seven and they create an index. So they're they're cheating a little bit. They have found a metric, but it's really seven metrics. So don't look for a perfect metric. I would say unless you want to create an index, don't look for a single metric, but think about a family of metrics. Again, three to five key metrics. And then finally, I tell people from a principal standpoint, I think your leadership development scorecards should be dynamic. And what I mean by that is in different seasons, you probably need to track measure and monitor different things. So you're probably wondering, can I give you a couple of examples? Yes. Um, One thing you can do, we do an annual leadership talent review. And one of the things we actually do is evaluate existing leaders, not only on their performance and their leadership behaviors, but we also rate every leader on their readiness for their next leadership opportunity. And you can say, ready now, ready in one to three years, ready in three to five years. I think the last box is good in place. Well, you can measure on your scorecard how many ready now leaders do we have? Because I would tell you, that's a very good indicator of how strong your bench is. That's one example. I mentioned the FedEx example where they've created an index. If you're just starting this journey you may have a metric on there that is the percentage of your existing leaders who have been trained on our leadership point of view. Because when you begin this journey, that number would be zero. But after you get that to 100, this is back to my point about holding this loosely and it being a dynamic scorecard. Once you get that number to 100 and you've built the systems and mechanisms to ensure that future leaders are trained, that's that's no longer serving you. So that's when I'd say you'd pull that metric off the scorecard and put something else. Great advice. Some great tactics that people can take. And there's a lot of these uh, these these ideas and suggestions that that, uh, that you can uh, you can get on your own by picking up this book. Fantastic book. So we've got just a couple more questions left. And Mark, thank you so much for your time. I I also have the the honor and the ability to to go work with a lot of different organizations. And and I can't tell you the times that we've been in there and we're working um, on a on a workshop or we're doing some coaching. And and I'm sure you've heard this story as well. People are like, this is great. These are great concepts. I want to do this. I want to change what I bring to the table. But man, I wish my leader's leader or, or the top guy would, would walk this walk as well or go through this course. 
So it is so important, isn't it, that at the very top levels of an organization, senior leaders, you really have to walk the talk, don't you? Well, yes. And that is actually the last step in our process. But it's not just the top. We think all the leaders have to model the desired behavior. And so if your organization advocates servant leadership, then all of your leaders need to be on that journey. Hmm. Really can't have men and women who say, well, I'm going to do it differently because that's a strategic decision. I mentioned that in the beginning. If, if leadership says we are going to build a leadership culture, then the senior leaders are the ones that get to articulate the brand style and approach of leadership that we're going to employ. And so people always watch the leader. And, and that is true at all levels. But I would encourage those that aren't senior leaders, don't default because you have an area of responsibility and you have an area that you are uh, accountable for and you have something that you're trying to steward, uh, both people, process and results. And I would say start where you are. And if you can, by all means, influence senior leaders. But you don't get a pass if your senior leaders uh, aren't on board with this. We're still accountable as leaders for the areas that we steward. Mark, such a great conversation. Thanks for your time today. If, if you could leave uh, our listeners with, with one last thought, you know, what's the one thing that you want them to, to take away from, from our time today? You need to be intentional. You, you will not drift to greatness. You will not, you will not wake up more, one morning and say, oh, wow, look, we've got a leadership culture. I think you've got to be intentional. You've, you've got to make an intentional decision. You've got to do the work with purpose and intentionality of defining it and teaching it and practicing it, and measuring it, and modeling it. And if you're not intentional, you will waste a lot of time, energy, and effort. And you'll actually be no closer to your goal a year from now than you are today. Mark, thank you so much. If people want to learn a little bit more about you, obviously, uh, one of the things you can do uh, is you can pick up Leaders Made Here, Building a Leadership Culture by Mark Miller. Mark, if people wanted to, to learn more about you, how could they find you uh, on the Internet? Well, I'm on Twitter at, at LeadersServe, and my cell number is 678-612-8441. I love that. And I love that that's actually in the book as well. And that's such a rarity. You don't actually see people uh, put their cell phone in there and uh, they could find you as well at uh, obviously at your name, uh, Mark Miller on LinkedIn. Mark, thanks again. Thanks so much for joining us today. And thank you for joining us for today's podcast. If you enjoyed this interview and like to learn more and also help us grow the audience, please subscribe to the Leader Chat podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, or wherever you're listening. And please share this with your friends. The best way you can help us grow, though, is feedback. As Ken Blanchard says, feedback is the breakfast of champions. So please write us a review if you haven't already. And by the way, this podcast is sponsored by the Ken Blanchard Companies. If you'd like to learn more, there's even a lot of free resources to better yourself and your organization. Go to KenBlanchard.com. You'll find all kinds of free tools and materials to help you and others grow. Thanks again to our guests for joining us today. For now, I have the pleasure of turning it over to Ken Blanchard for his thoughts on what we discussed. Here it is, your final minute with Ken Blanchard. 
Mark Miller and I have a mutual admiration society going. And when I worked with him, he, uh, he really pushed me in terms of what, uh, you know, Greenleaf uh, said years ago, you need to serve first and, and lead second because they've implemented a serve model at Chick-fil-A and S is to see and shape the future. It all starts with vision and E in the serve model is to empower and develop your people. The focus of great organizations is their number one customer is their people. Uh, and uh, then if you do that, your people will take care of your customers, and then your customers are going to become raving fans, and that takes care of, cares of the owners, you know. And often people want to think, you know, that it's all about profit. No, profit is the applause you get for taking care of your customers, uh, I mean, your people, so they'll take care of your, your customers. Uh, R means reinvent yourself continuously and your organization. It's about creating a learning culture. And then V is to value both uh, uh, relationships and results. It's not an either or, it's a both and, you know. So by focusing on the people, it doesn't mean you're going to forget about your results. And finally, E is embody the values, uh, walk the talk. So uh, thanks, Mark. You're just fabulous. And uh, I just recommend that you just follow uh, Mark Miller and read what he, he does because he is not an accidental uh, thought leader uh, of leadership. Uh, God bless. Take care of yourself. And Mark, you're the best. Mm-hmm.